everybody, and welcome to this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. I'm Jason Harmon, and today we've got some special co-hosts again. Mr. Barry Cross is in the house. I am the new Doug Markham. The new Doug Markham. Uh, so anyway, <laughs> no comment there. And we got Mr. Jason Henniger with us today. He's going to be uh, talking about fishing and a little bit of everything on the fishery side of things. But uh, first we wanted to... Uh, I guess uh, talk about Doug a little bit and uh, see where he's at. He's on special assignment, and I'll show a fo- show the folks at home a, a picture of him. It's almost like where's Waldo? Where's Waldo? It's not a picture of him. I'm sorry, but it's a picture of where he is he today. Is. He's with News Two. Yeah, out on the lake. On the lake, doing a, a little segment on fishing, and um, look to uh, watch for that on on News Two in Nashville. Uh, to air sometime probably this week or next and i think he said it may air multiple times maybe on the weekend sometimes so just keep your eyes open for that if you're in the nashville area and, and that's good to see you see the the media taking notice of fishing being a quality activity for folks to get out and do right and always as always doug is out there promoting our great resources so. yep yep doug loves to fish and mm-hmm. and uh and uh, that's where he can. Well, I think he was boat captain today. Well, I, yeah, I, yeah. I don't you see. You think him. he touched the rod? I'm I, saying those I, shots are from his camera phone there. So, yeah. Uh, you, you think he touched the rod? Eh, maybe, mm-hmm. maybe. And uh, well, I was going to say something else. And I forgot what it was. But anyway, oh, I was going to say, look, they're all wearing their life jackets. Make sure you wear your life jackets when you're on the boat. That's what. I was Absolutely. Say. Uh, so that's good to see. And they're catching fish. So that's good to see too. So before we. Um, Let's uh let's move to the spring turkey season and talk about that for just a minute before we continue on the fish side of things. Uh the spring season is a little little under a month away. Uh you got you got a few weeks left before it's over. Right. If you haven't killed all four birds or if you haven't killed a bird, you still got time to get out there. And uh the weather's been pretty good for it. Um and I know a lot of people have been harvesting birds, but uh like I said, if if you if that one's eluded you, you still have time. It's not it's not over yet. Yep. Me and Mr. Barry went out. Uh, what was it? A couple of weeks ago, chasing yeah. a few, and and we were on about three different birds. Seems like, and yeah. none of them cooperated. So none of them, none of them wanted to play. And yeah. and my daughter's been out. She's trying to kill one with a bow, and she has got the fever. And she'll she'll get off of work and go. Is it a good time to go? And I'm like, hey, it's always a good time to go <laughs> if you got the time. So. Yep. <laughs> Spring is always a good time. That's right. I'm Have always you? torn between turkey hunting and, and fishing. I've been turkey hunting a little more than fishing this year, but uh, no luck so far. Yeah, yeah. that's going to be my question. So no luck? Uh, no luck. I'm going to take advantage of these next couple of weeks and <laughs> see if we can track one down. All right, yeah. All right, let's move into to more fishing then. The, the comment period for the next uh, fishing season, uh, the the comment on the regs and what you might like to see in the next year's regs the comment period is coming to an end on april 23rd so you got till then to 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 write in you can mail the uh, your comments in or you can go on uh, online or through your email and do that that way so right there's the information on the screen if you're watching uh yeah we've been getting quite a few comments this year uh always want more it kind of gives us a, a way to gauge what's going on out there what what's on the fishermen's minds and uh, all these comments are collected uh, into a, a book and that's given out to our commission and to our fisheries biologist and we usually have our fisheries biologist meeting in may and we go over all these comments and uh, 
take into account what what people are seeing out there what they're what's on their mind what they want to see changed so if you have something if you have something you really feel adamant about if you write in it gets it gets consideration yeah each one of these get gets read gets responded to and um, we take all this into account when we sit down and start talking about upcoming regulation changes for the year and that goes through our biologist meeting all our on a statewide basis we sit down and, and look at these comments look at the data see what's going on with our fisheries and we sit down for about three days and talk about our fisheries and how we can make them better and mm. then those what comes out of those meetings uh, the ideas and everything then gets form formalized into a final proposal those are presented to our commission at usually the uh, august meeting i think we're going to go a little bit early this year maybe if we have a july meeting i think we're going mm -hmm. during that time frame and then there'll be another short comment period on those proposed regulations so mm -hmm. we give the anglers sportsmen two chances we give them a chance to tell us what they're thinking and then tell us what they think about the proposals we've made and then uh, those again go to our commission so they have that information when they sit down and make that final decision on that regulation and so. folks are welcome to come to the commission meetings and, and voice their concerns yeah. as well yeah. and those commission meetings are listed on our website so you can go to tmwildlife.org and and see when those dates are those commission meetings are happening and if it's not up there right now it will be up there soon uh some of them might be tba as far as where they're located but i think most of the dates are out there but anyway that's how you can let us know your thoughts and our ideas maybe on the fishing seasons and we'll take those into consideration so now jason i forget i don't know if i mentioned you're the assistant chief of the wildlife or the fisheries uh division and uh you said fishing's good right now fishing is good and we're going to talk about some of that i was going to show them there's some crappie and uh, i received this photo from an angler on kentucky lake about a week ago and uh, the smallest fish in this picture is a legal fish that's a 10 inch fish so those wow. others i don't know the exact size but you can see that there's some quality crappie being caught on kentucky lake right now and uh, really across the state we're getting good reports out of percy priest and old hickory um and even east tennessee I've, i talked to a gentleman he caught several limits on fort loudon last week so we're getting crappie fishing's good hearing a lot of uh reports out of priest with the hybrid striped bass awesome. early in the morning late in the afternoon get out there and throw a, a grub or a fluke something like that when they're schooling on shad and a lot of guys are catching a lot of hybrids our trout surveys all looked really good this spring yeah you sent me a picture of the, of the one of your trout surveys that's a pretty good looking fish yeah this is one of our brown trout out of elk river uh survey that i helped with back into february first of march and I believe this fish was around 26 inches long or so. So really nice fish. Awesome. Awesome. And and we're going to talk about some youth events that are coming up. Uh, it's about, about to heat up. Free Fishing Day will be here in June, right? Is it June? Yep. Or July? Well, uh, Free Fishing Day is June 10th. June 10th. Uh, but we have over uh, 65 events, probably close to 70 events this year scheduled, and they started even in april and they'll run through june um to do that that many events we've got a lot of people backing us a lot of support a lot of, of companies and organizations that back these we've got over 200 uh, companies and organizations that are helping put on these events big help to the agency because we can't do that many events on our own so right. 
just want to say thank you to all those people that support and sponsor those events. That's awesome. Those can be found on our website as well, list of those. And I think we even have an interactive map this year that's showing those locations of those events. That's cool. And we'll have them in the outdoor calendar as well on, on the website. So. Yep. Now, take a minute and talk about this little guy here fishing. This is, this is your son? That is my son. He'll be seven in June. Um, moved him up to a spinning reel this year. He'd been using spin cast for a long time. and So our first trip with his new spinning reel, and I didn't even get a cast off. <laughs> he caught this catfish on Old Hickory Lake. Um, awesome. It's his first catfish on his new spinning rod. So he That's was awesome. pretty excited about that. So, again, uh, like I say, fishing's good everywhere. Yeah, it is good. And it's good to see that right there because, uh, you know, kids that start out fishing and they start progressing – they got pride in that, you know. That's that's when it starts becoming fun, and uh, I, I like seeing that. Yeah, yep. that's cool. So, uh, continuing on, there's been a lot of records here lately. There uh, has. The fish division can be proud for that, and and here's one of them, the big muskie that was caught not too long ago. But you said there was how many records since January one of 2016? We have uh, had 16 state record fish changes. Um, and that's across the board. That's both angling and, and what we call Class B, which is our bow fishing uh, trot lines, a lot of different methods in that Class B. But um, this muskie was caught Class A and on Melton Hill Reservoir. Mm-hmm. It was, uh, I believe, 43 pounds, 14 ounces, wow. and was a little over 51 inches long. So yeah. really good fish. We've got big fish like this swimming all over melton hill watts bar uh even in the upper uh the headwaters of, the, of great falls in the caney fork and the collins a lot of good muskie swimming around out there so uh, we also had a yellow perch that was uh caught in a private lake around crossville mm-hmm. that was two pounds a little over two pounds and uh, that is one of our newer state records as well so now, where can, where can you find the list of state record fish? In case somebody catches a big one, where can they find that list? And, and tell me a little bit about how you go about getting it certified as a state record. Well, we have both the list and a set of instructions on how to uh, submit a state record fish. Uh, it's got to be weighed with certified scale and scales, and it has to be identified by a TWRA fisheries biologist. So you have to contact the agency, but that information is in our fishing guide. Uh, mm-hmm. It's in the back with the awards and, and state records. Which and is out. Fishing guide. Oh, yeah. It's out. On the shelf. <laughs> finally got them out there for people. <laughs> uh, it's been online for a while, but finally... Uh, got over the printing woes and, and got those out there. Yeah, we had a little uh, bit of delay, but that's all right. It's out there now, and it was online, so. I, I, got, I got a question. This may be a little bit off off the topic, of, but, you know, you catch a big fish. Um, it, it, maybe it's not a state record, but we still have the TARP uh, program. And explain a little bit about that, if you can. About yeah, TARP program is our Tennessee Angler Recognition Program. So if you catch a fish of a uh, certain size we've got a list of those those size requirements minimum sizes and if you catch that you can submit that application print it off our website submit that uh, to our fisheries division and that application is uh, looked over make sure everything's right on it um, and then we issue a nice certificate that's uh, been signed by the chief of fisheries and and you can keep 
from now on you can hang it on your wall and mm. uh, that lets people know that you've caught fish of a certain size and if you catch uh, so many there's different levels to that tarp mm-hmm. uh, if you catch so many of a certain species or so many uh, different species you can reach a master angler uh, level one i think we're up to about four levels now in our master angler okay. series and it's just based on the numbers of fish tarp fish you catch and yeah, in different and, species so yeah i think it's a great program just because it gives you something to shoot for if you're if you're out fishing i think actually i caught a tarp skipjack the other day it may have been a state record i don't know but it was a big <laughs> skipjack unfortunately it was in a bass tournament (laughs) but i mean that's 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 something fun to to shoot for and i think people need to know about it gives you gives you a little bragging rights there yeah yeah an accomplishment that you've done because it's not easy to catch those big fish no it's not it takes time takes a lot of learning where they're at and and techniques to trick them so and that speaking of techniques i was looking at that muskie and i was thinking you know how hard is it to catch one of those guys? And, and don't we have a lot of people coming down from up north chasing these fish in our state? Those, those fish are known to be fish of a thousand casts. They're very wary. Um, a lot of the guys from up north come down and fish our waters during the winter when theirs is iced up. Mm-hmm. And uh, from talking to the, some of those guys that make that trip, um, the areas they're in in Tennessee, Melton Hill, some of our small streams like the Collins and and the calf killer and the caney fork um, it makes those fish fish of a hundred casts instead of a thousand casts so they're a little little easier to catch down here and those guys really like to come down and uh, enjoy that wintertime fishing so yeah a muskie when those things explode on your lure is something to see uh, and <laughs> i mean it you talk about the water exploding it explodes and uh, so I can't imagine catching one. I've never caught one personally, but I've just witnessed it. You've had the camera. Yeah, I've had the camera and and watched it happen. And, and man, talk about a fight. That's a huge accomplishment to catch a fish that big Mm -hmm. uh, anywhere in the Muskie's range, much less right here in its southern range. Right, right. It's an incredible fish. Well, let's move on a little bit and talk about some Florida largemouth bass. uh, They're... uh, doing better here in the state of tennessee a lot of the, a lot of the lakes here we've been stocking some here and there and, and our hatcheries have been working with them so just fill us in on that what's been going on in the florida bass world well we've been working with florida bass probably since the early 2000s late late 90s early 2000s and and our main focus with florida bass were was over on chickamauga lake you've had mike jolly on the show and he talked more in depth about that but uh, a lot of the fish that we got was from the state of florida mm-hmm. and we were getting fingerlings that were shipped up here and we would stock those out into our our lake the uh, chickamauga at the time now we've expanded that program to i think three other lakes over there in the tennessee river system right. fort loudon watts bar and nickajack and uh, so in expanding that we needed more fish it just and florida had some changes in in their thought on management of florida bass they were getting a lot of requests from other states for fingerling florida bass production so they were putting a lot of effort into that and most of the time just trading those fish for for other fish that they needed for stocking that's how a lot of the hatcheries and our, our state agencies we do a lot of fish trading right and we we may produce be really good at producing hybrid striped bass or striped bass and we'll trade those for musky mm-hmm. or 
uh, Florida bass or a couple different species that we need that we're not as good at producing. So we were able to get fish from Florida for many years, and they had some changes in their philosophy on, on sending those fish out. So they informed us that they would be able to send us a couple thousand fish for each year for broodstock to maintain our broodstock, but they would not be able to send large numbers like they had in the past to stock straight into the lakes. Hmm. So we got to thinking about it with our expansion, and we decided that we needed to expand some of our hatchery space. And at Humboldt Hatchery in West Tennessee, we built a 5,000-square-foot Florida bass facility. And you see a couple pictures of it here where we have the long raceways. And what we do, we put uh, broodstock, uh, larger Florida largemouth, uh, pure Florida largemouth into those raceways. And we put the, you can see the little black uh, square mats there, and those are spawning mats. Mm-hmm. And we put those, space those out down the raceway, and those fish will pair up and actually spawn on those black mats. And then we can remove those black mats and, and uh, enumerate the number of eggs we've got, mm-hmm. move those o- over into another raceway and let those fish uh, those eggs hatch and the fingerlings just simply drop off those mats so this is you don't have to do like walleye and strip no strip anything no you can't with the bass species it's it's easier just let them do it on their own because mm. one female may her eggs may develop a little differently uh, she may have a lot of eggs that that become ripe she'll uh, spawn with several males on different mats and then it may be a couple days and she's ready to spawn again she won't spawn all those eggs at one time i did not know that yeah so we just let them do it naturally we remove the mats replace them with new mats and about three weeks ago uh, david roddy come in my office and he was was kind of panicked because we had the water temperature right we had the fish in there and we only had one pair that had spawned off yeah and uh he called some contacts that he had and and they said well try to increase your your day your photo period and that's one thing about this building doing the spawning inside we can control the daylight period mm-hmm. so we bumped it up a couple hours and we had 20 pairs spawn that that spawned off within a couple of days so wow. we were able to produce so far we've produced about three hundred fifty thousand uh fry uh, is what we think we've got so far so uh we still have we still do trades with uh, Louisiana and uh, Texas, and David's actually off getting fish right now mm-hmm. on a trip to Texas. So, but uh, we appreciate all our states that help us with this program, and it's turned out to be a really good program for us. And it's, the fish from Texas are Florida largemouth. Yes, right? yeah. yeah. And it's well received by anglers. Anglers are oh, yes. all excited about it. Yeah, they would love to see Florida them bass. Other bodies of water that you know, but. Well, we, it doesn't always work on on it doesn't work on everybody. Water does it, it? It doesn't. And the big fish that we're seeing uh, on Chickamauga are not true Florida largemouth. They're not 100 percent Florida largemouth. They're that first generation, that F1, and Which some is of the back, a hybrid. Is it's a right? hybrid between our northern bass and our and the pure Floridas. So we're not seeing the pure Floridas in in huge numbers. Uh, it's that F1 that we're seeing there, and each reservoir is a little different in water temperature, location, uh, food, habitat. There's a lot of variabilities that go into that, and we've got a really good source 
for northern bass in our Cumberland River drainage, mm-hmm. and it's probably what we consider the native uh, largemouth bass to Tennessee. Mm-hmm. So we want to protect that and and keep that source there in case we need it in the future uh, to stock some of these northerns back in to uh, maintain maintain that F1 hybrids. So. Mm-hmm. And, and it, correct me if I'm wrong, the the Florida bass. Really, Chickamauga is about the northernest, northernmost part of their range. Is that is that why you haven't looked at other? It's a, it's a little bit north of the. I worked in Texas for about four years, and some of the reservoirs that we stocked there was even a little more southern than uh, Chickamauga, as okay. far as lakes that we looked at to be lakes that we could ma- manage pure Florida bass. Mm-hmm. So. But uh, Chickamauga has done well, for sure, with the with the Florida bass stockings that we've done. And we had the, the state record come out of Chickamauga. We did. We did. Back to those state records. Yeah. Um, any more on Florida mouth? Florida largemouth? You can think about it. You want to say? Uh, I think we've covered it pretty good. We're, uh, we're working hard to get those fish produced, and uh, we think we're, uh, with the help of, of Louisiana and, and Texas this year, we'll definitely meet our our goals as far as our stocking numbers this year but mm-hmm. we're striving with this new facility to um, to be self-sufficient with these that'd these be, Florida bass. Awesome. Well, yeah. since, since that state record came out of Chickamauga do we know if it was a F1 hybrid or? Some testing on it that we early testing we got suggested it was an F1. Okay so Florida bass did play a role in that? Yes they do okay. for sure. Awesome. Alright let's move on to Asian carp. Uh, They've been a hot topic here lately uh, as nuisance and <laughs> as good-tasting fish as well. Yeah. So uh, a couple shots here on the screen is... is uh, and which one of you said, hey, hey, let's eat one of those? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, they're pretty good. Well, when you have that many fish swimming around jumping in your boat, mm-hmm. you got to find out what they're good for. That's yeah. right. And they're actually really good to eat. Um, there's uh, several... The commercial fishing industry has really not uh, developed around these fish like like we had hoped. Uh, they are harvesting some fish off of Kentucky Lake in Tennessee waters. Uh, the numbers, uh, from what we can understand, the numbers that the commercial processors want uh, is just not there yet, which is a good thing in our, in our eyes as an agency managing for a nuisance species. Mm-hmm. But uh, they are harvesting quite a few out of Barkley in Kentucky on the Kentucky side. And there's some several processors up there in in Kentucky that you can uh, obtain these these finished fillets from at about five five dollars a pound. Uh, there's a couple of restaurants around that are in uh, the Franklin area that I know of that's selling Asian carp on the menu, mm-hmm. and uh, it's a really mild tasting fish. It's not you know a lot of the fish have a real strong fishy taste to them, and Asian carp really seasons up well i've had it grilled i've had it baked i've had it uh, fried and uh, it's good any way you fix it i swear you know the way y'all are fixing it here in this shot it's like a chicken nugget i mean it's yeah. <laughs> it's lightly battered it's, it was perfect and it and it grills or it fries up pretty firm you know it's more like chicken than it is like than it's like yep. fish yep. i found a long time ago that the way i like to eat fish is is more in the strips or nuggets mm-hmm. and it just it fries up really quickly so it it makes for 
easy way to eat it while you're cooking it. And uh, <laughs> so I really like to eat fish. The cook so. always gets a little. little yeah, he likes you fish taste sticks. Test. <laughs> How do you think it's so good if you don't? The cook doesn't taste. That's it? right. So it's a good way to get the kids to eat it. You said yeah. you said fish, fish sticks. sticks yeah. yeah, yeah. There but, you go. Uh, they're definitely really good to eat. Um, we have been receiving reports on Kentucky Lake uh, this spring, probably the last couple weeks of Asian carp, silver carp that have been swimming erratically, jumping, actually jumping out on the bank. Hmm. And they're finding uh, thousands of fish dead on the bank. We've, that's happening in Kentucky uh, and in Tennessee on Kentucky Lake and Barkley. And uh, we really don't know what's going on. Uh, hmm. Kentucky, uh, res- the Natural Resource Agency in Kentucky has sent off some fish to a lab in at Warm Springs, Georgia, hmm. for some testing, and that came back. Some early testing came back that there was about seven different types of bacteria that was on the fish. Uh, we don't know what the effects of that bacteria are, or if it's just if they got dead fish, and that's a naturally natural occurrence for that bacteria to start to grow after mm-hmm. that fish dies. Mm-hmm. We've collected some fresh fish, almost dead and sent those off to Warm Springs overnight. So we're waiting those results from that test. So, But um, this, is, this is something that we really can't explain. We had a fish kill a couple years ago below Kentucky Dam where there was about a half a million silver carp died then, and we really couldn't trace that to, to any one source or any one cause. So, And we haven't seen an effect on the sport fish at all? We have not. We've not seen any native fish. Uh, in these fish gills at all. It's just been silver carp for the most part. So, Well, maybe they uh, take care of themselves. <laughs> Who knows? Who knows? All right. Well, uh, hmm. on the on the still and stay on the big fish topics, these uh, these dinosaur-looking fish, we got the, the sturgeon, and uh, this is one that you see here. This was one that was caught below Center Hill Dam uh, not too long ago. I think we, we showed it on the show. It's been on Facebook and stuff, but, but you all... We're doing some studies on what body of water was it? Uh, we've uh, this past fall we caught one of the biggest sturgeon that we've uh, caught in the state of Tennessee. It was this fish? It was 52 inches long. Uh, that was on Chickamauga, Chickamauga over on the Tennessee River. We stocked close to 200, a little over 200,000 fish in the, in Tennessee water since 2000, and uh, they're making a good comeback. Uh, the water quality's improved on our in our tailwaters and our in our reservoirs, and uh, we've we're seeing fish from every year class that we've stocked out there, and uh, they're doing well on the Tennessee, and they're also doing well on on the Cumberland. And that first fish you uh, showed there was uh, that fish was caught below Center Hill Dam, and we've had probably ten or twelve reports from Center Hill Dam in the last six months of sturgeon being caught there. I got a report uh, just a couple days ago over the Easter weekend that um, one angler caught three sturgeon in the same day. Wow. And uh, they were all in the 30-inch range. So. These fish, uh, they were here, and then they were gone, kind of gone, or completely gone. They were completely gone from what we understand. So um, this, this stocking program Native to Tennessee. Them. There's, uh, I've got some pictures from the 20s of uh-huh. people taking sturgeon to the Lebanon meat locker uh, to sail. They caught them out of the Cumberland River, and they took them up there to sail for food fish. Hmm. And uh, 
then in the 60s and 70s uh, with the dams being built, water quality uh, decreasing, and commercial fishing in the Tennessee River, uh, they kind of blinked out on us. And uh, the last reports of sturgeon in, t- in Tennessee was from a fish kill in Nashville. There was three or four records in that fish kill of, of lake sturgeon. And that was the last reports we'd had of lake sturgeon mm-hmm. until we started restocking in uh, 2000. So this restocking program's taken them from nothing to now you're seeing three, 400 fish a year being yeah. caught? Well, we, uh, we're, we've been catching in our samples anywhere from... 50 to 80 fish during a, a week-long sample on the Tennessee River. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm up to about probably about 325 angler reports. That's just the ones that have been reported to me. Um, we've got a process where you call in, and we want and that we want that to happen, yeah, right? And that information's in our fishing guide uh, in, in the back. You can call in, report that, and I'll give you a certificate that you've caught and released a lake sturgeon in Tennessee. Wow. So don't keep them. Take a picture. Send us the information and let us know you're catching them, but you got to release them. And someday they're going to be eight foot long, right? Eight foot long and 150 pounds. That's what I'm waiting on. That's awesome. <laughs> Barry and I will go out there and try to get some footage yeah, of that and yeah. share, share it with you. Take Jason with us. But anyway, hey, thanks for watching this edition of Tennessee Wildcast. Thanks for listening. We're always out there. You can uh, catch this show at tnwildlife.org. That's the best place to start and find us there. We're out there all the time. Keep following our social media. Thanks, Jason, for being with us. Thanks, Barry and Doug. We'll see you next week. All right. Thanks, everybody.